This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Would you believe me if I told you that one of the biggest heists in history was done with no violence at all? Or that it was so well prepared and executed that not one of the culprits got caught in the act. That might seem like a stretch, but the truly amazing thing is that this heist was done by eight older men, some already in retirement, later named the Grandpa Gang. These men would go down in history as the men that pulled off the biggest heist in British history, the Hatton Garden Heist, the year is 2015. The country, England. An older man walks into a bank disguised as a maintenance worker. He politely passes through. His face is covered with a surgical mask, hiding his identity. He slowly walks around the bank and waits for everyone to leave, pretending to work. No one suspects this older man to be a burglar in disguise. But let's roll the story back about three years, when the planning stages for this operation began. Most of the burglars were all over 60 and used nicknames based on an old Tarantino film. The oldest, and the original mastermind behind the whole heist, was nicknamed Governor, aged 76. Governor was well and truly enjoying retirement, but I guess the lure of that one last big score was too tempting for an old burglar like him. The gang's advanced age would at first seem like a disadvantage, but it is actually one of the main reasons why they succeeded at all. No one would suspect these sweet old men of any foul play, giving them easier access. Their age also came with a wealth of experience in bookkeeping, mechanics, and organization skills. Oh, and they had plenty of past criminal expertise as well. Two of the robbers had completed a similar job just five years before. With the same disguises and polite old man vibes, they definitely made off with $1.2 million. So when they were approached to try an even bigger score, how could they resist? But how do you plan a heist like this? Where do you begin? The first thing you need to do when planning a heist is to find a good secret headquarters that the police won't be looking for and won't find anything even if they do. It should be something like an underground basement hidden away, or maybe an abandoned cabin out in the woods. Well, the Grandpa Gang chose their local pub, the Castle in Islington. Simple, but kind of brilliant. And here they spent three years carefully planning the heist, even up to a few days before the decided date. Everything had to be perfect. No mistakes could be made. And it was crucial that it couldn't be traced back to them. To that end, they purchased a self-help book, Forensics for Dummies. With this, they understood how police forensic investigation worked 
and how to avoid getting caught. Monitoring with incredible patience, they observed all the bank's operations. Jones, who had the initial idea, was already conducting reconnaissance on the bank before the rest of the gang joined in. From there, a whole lot more reconnaissance followed. They would casually walk through the bank as visitors, or do some drive-bys, observing the hours it opened and how busy it would be at different times and days. The Grandpa Gang monitored how the staff worked in their positions and, most importantly, learned about the vault and its possible contents. Once they identified the point of access to the vault, they ordered some heavy tools. For the prospect of seeking diamonds there, they got a standard diamond drill, capable of drilling through thick concrete. Patiently, they continued to go over the plan, nitpicking as if with a fine-toothed comb. Finally, the day was confirmed for the great heist, April 2nd, 2015. They likely cheered at the pub to their hopeful success with one last drink. On that fateful day, the Grandpa Gang traveled to the location in separate rented vehicles, except the governor. He decided to make the most of his pensioners' perks and take public transport, which was free. Hey, I mean, free is free. Gotta make the most of it, right? One of the rented vans contained wheelie bins, tools, and garbage bags. When the gang met at the bank, three of the men took the bins out of the car, all dressed in their disguises. No one batted an eyelid at three maintenance workers moving bins. Once they got the bins in position near the fire escape, they left them there and waited patiently. Mr. Basil was up next, simply entering the bank with his reflective yellow vest, with a gas canister on his back, a hard hat, and a surgical mask. He was polite as he walked through. No one would suspect or question a sweet older man just trying to do his job. Obviously, he could only be there for professional reasons. He kept to himself, looking busy during closing time as customers began to leave. The next day was also a public holiday on a Friday, so everyone was keen to go home for the long weekend. This means the gang had an extra day to get out what they could. There was also another massively fortuitous coincidence, possibly too wild to believe. Only one day before, nearby underground cables were set alight, leading to serious disruptions to all of central London. Many thousands of people had been evacuated from nearby businesses, famous theaters had to cancel their shows, and most conveniently, there were huge disruptions to the telecoms infrastructure. So, with only a few people nearby and a guaranteed long weekend, the gang was all set to start their job, expecting no interruptions. As the last employee left and locked up the bank, Mr. Basil, still inside, walked up to the fire escape and opened the door. The rest of the gang entered with tools and bags while leaving the bins outside. They moved towards the elevator. Here is where they would face their biggest test. All of them being elderly, the physical stress of such a job might take a toll on their health. It might be too much for them to handle. But when you've got eyes on a prize as big as this, I guess that's more than enough inspiration to perform feats well beyond your abilities. They called the elevator. This was the best way to access the vault. The vault was full of all kinds of gems, which is why it was so heavily guarded with thick cement walls. The only point of access to the vault level was via the elevator shaft. 
Instead of going straight down, they stopped the elevator on the second floor and pried open the doors. Mr. Ginger rappelled down the elevator shaft, about 14 feet down. When he reached the ground, he opened the steel shutter that covered the door into the vault and quickly disabled the alarm by cutting the telephone wires. Although later it would be found that they were too late and the alarm had alerted security. Though luckily for them, the response came much later. Perhaps due to the convenient disruptions of the day before, whether they were safe to take their time or not, they got straight to drilling. The powerful Hilti DD350 drill was purchased about two years before the heist. Over the next two days, they would work on the vault, drilling down to gain access. Although the drill was capable of piercing through the concrete walls, the holes they had made, three of them next to one another 20 inches thick, met with an unexpected obstruction. They had drilled into a steel cabinet, and that couldn't easily be drilled through with what they had on them, though not for lack of trial. They kept going at it, but when they returned to find another drill bit, the pump jammed. It seemed all hope was lost, but it wasn't until the final day, April the 5th, that they did successfully make a clear entrance. Only one man entered the vault, but from there, he easily accessed as many deposit boxes as possible within the remaining time left. The next day, the bank would be open again. Time was of the essence. Diamonds and jewels worth millions were quickly passed up to the other men to collect on the other side. It was clear why this vault was so heavily fortified. There were thousand deposit boxes inside the vault, but they only managed to break into 73 before running out of time. Once the heist was called to an end, they grabbed the loot and their tools, attempting to make the bank look as untouched as possible. The roller bins that were waiting outside this whole time were now getting filled with the loot that they scored. However, now that they were filled with all these precious, heavy gems, the old men struggled to lift them all into the back of the van, but eventually they did. Onlookers were baffled by these alleged maintenance workers casually locking up the building once again, but no one spoke up. And then they sped off into the night. The grandpa gang counted up their loot, but decided to meet a bit later to discuss splitting it up. Guess where they decided to meet? That's right, the pub. In the pub, they laughed and celebrated what was to be lauded as the biggest heist in English history. From just those 73 deposit boxes, they managed to get an estimated $21 million worth, mostly invaluable gems, but also a bit of cash, which came in handy for the pub, of course. They divided their haul, then laughed and joked about how they would spend it all, but still agreed that it would be wise to hide it all until the whole thing blows over. And then they all went their separate ways. But where would you hide such a massive treasure? Long enough to wait for the heat to die down, somewhere secret and safe that only you could locate it. For all the grandpa gang's meticulous planning, hiding spots were clearly something they hadn't really considered. Maybe they didn't think they would actually get away with it. Most of the jewels were hidden away in their homes. One of the men hid them in his casserole dishes. Ironically, one of the men put his share in a safety deposit box in another bank. One of them actually had thought it through. Separating his own hall, he put portions of it all under his relative's gravestones in a graveyard. A bit grim, but a lot wiser than casserole dishes. 
It wasn't until two days later that a burglary was reported at the bank. Security footage of the Grandpa Gang soon emerged in the papers, identifying these mysterious maintenance men, casually moving in and then departing. Their faces were carefully covered, not giving away their identities immediately. The forensic police squad scoured the bank in a dire search for hair, skin fragments, fingerprints, anything that could locate these mysterious burglars. But they were duped by the book Forensics for Dummies. Thanks to the lessons within, the burglars were very careful to make sure that nothing was found to incriminate them. Staff members were questioned as the police were trying to find any key witnesses, but nothing more came back other than polite old men. Over the next month, the Grandpa Gang fully believed that they had gotten away with it. Returning to the same pub they frequented, they were now discussing how to transfer their jewels to potential buyers. However, returning to this one pub was the one simple mistake that would eventually lead to the whole plan falling apart. Meanwhile, the CCTV had also picked up something during the investigation. Although they were generally cautious with the cars that they rented, one of the men had hired a car under his own name, which he also used for reconnaissance missions. He drove by the bank a few more times that could be excused as a coincidence. Thanks to that little fumble, the police had a name and now a lead. They combed the CCTV footage to find anything that might be related to this one man. But as the heist was so well planned, it took the police a whole month to put it all together. Some members of the Grandpa Gang had now been identified, the police still unsure of how many others were involved. But those confirmed soon had their cars tapped for audio surveillance. These men were so overconfident in their success, they boasted about their heist in their cars, immediately giving themselves away. Cameras were set up at their headquarters, the pub, and soon after that, all the other suspects were confirmed. For such a well-planned and thought-out heist, it seems crazy that they didn't bother to plan just a little bit further. There are hundreds of other pubs to choose from. You would think it would occur to them to switch locations. From there, it was simply a waiting game. The police tailed and watched. Without confirmation of the jewels they stole, an arrest couldn't yet be made. But eventually, the burglars were recorded moving their stashes around on a few separate occasions until shifting them to one final address. The police seized the address and found most of the hall. Shortly following that, all the men were arrested. The whole gang pinched, all their loot seized, all those years of planning down the drain. And to think that they could have gotten away with it if they'd only chosen a different pub. But hey, when the stakes are this high and the heat is on, one mistake is all that it takes. Cover your tracks. Leave nothing to chance. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.